This episode of the Mother Loving Future Show is brought to you by Amber Lestrange and Jenna Penrose with JMO 5000 Productions. Hi, everyone. It's Amber and Jenna here. And we also have a very special guest, a person very dear to my heart, Ben Lee with us. He is a creator of a life of infinite possibility, but not only that, he is the most unstoppable creative force I know. He is a world-renowned singer, songwriter, producer, entrepreneur, and most importantly, as I mentioned, the most masterful creator of infinite possibilities. He just proved that to us too. I know. He fixed our entire podcast. Uh, Very, very dramatic. I tweaked GarageBand, but nonetheless. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we wouldn't wouldn't have to do that. So there we go. Creating new infinite possibilities before our very eyes. Yes. Thank you for having me, guys. Oh my gosh, Ben. I'm so happy just to see you and to have you right here and to pick your brain about how to be so amazing. Um, So... Literally, I've never known Ben. We've been friends for many years now, lucky me, and I've never, ever known Ben to not be creating. You're kind of like, have you, did you ever see that Beatles movie, the cartoon? Yellow Which, Submarine. Yellow yeah, submarine. Yeah, yeah, Yellow Submarine. That's <laughs> right, it. yeah, yeah. And there was the ago, Nowhere yeah. Man that was writing a novel with one hand and painting a masterpiece with the other one and typing something out with his <laughs> left foot and mixing up a pie recipe with the other foot. That's like you. Well, from my perspective, everything uh, has a positive and negative, you know. So these – I know the characteristic you're talking about, right? So I've always got multiple projects going on mm-hmm. and I'm passionate and I'm like evangelical about whatever I'm involved in. Stuff. But it's like when that's working for me – and is in balance. I'm very, uh, I'm happy and I'm creatively fulfilled. And, but it also can be, I'm also capable of like seriously distracting myself by doing too many things mm. and being a bit, uh, spreading myself a little thin. Mm. Or, so I think part of what we have to do is kind of like pull these various gifts into balance uh, so that they work for us instead of being destructive forces in my life. Because it's interesting. I was watching. Um, did you watch the new Gary Shandling, the HBO documentary? Mm-hmm. Judd Apatow did. No, did you, Jenna? It's no. it's really good. It's two parts. But what's interesting about it was he always stopped projects before, like he'd do his TV shows for like four seasons, and everyone would just be like, "Why are you stopping now? Yeah. It's going great." And he'd I be like, "Well, I'm bored." Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and he wanted to and. You have to be careful because I have a similar tendency. You have to be careful to check in with yourself. Is Am I doing that out of a sort of generous place and an expansive place or am I being resistant and am I kind of hitting a limit with how far I can take things? So you know what I mean? So I just, just to yeah. balance out the, the very um, – uh, rapturous introduction <laughs> you gave me that all of these things are double-edged swords. <laughs> That's so, my main. So what is the thing that drives you to decide what you're going to pursue and what is just you're just going to do as a hobby or entertain your mind with? Well, I don't really know what the difference is necessarily because what I find is that if I follow my interests, they lead me onto major adventures, right? So it could be like a hobby quote unquote, I mean, as an artist, there's sort of no hobbies Mm -hmm. because everything we do informs what we're making and how we perceive the world. But I usually find things that I have a peripheral interest in or tangential interest, they, they come into the center of my life in unexpected ways. So when I'm interested in something, I I, I do give it the credit of there's a reason for it. It's going to, it's going to teach me. Um, I'm learning more and more that some things can be sort of 
for me, they can be private, mm. uh, the explorations that can occur behind the scenes mm. that I don't need to like share with everybody. I don't need to tell everyone. About. But, but honestly, I don't have a method of deciding what's what. I think throwing myself into things that intrigue me is kind of how my life progresses. Would you say you follow your heart? Sometimes. Sometimes I follow my mind. Sometimes I follow fashion. I mean, it sounds silly, not really fashion, but sometimes I follow the zeitgeist because I'm interested in what's happening in the world. Mm -hmm. So, um, for instance, at the moment, I'm very interested in the intersection between music and the music industry and um, blockchain technology, which I'm interested in because it's happening. It's not mm-hmm. coming from my heart. It's not. It's not something like my heart's going. Oh, please explore the blockchain. Yeah, it's something curious. I'm going. Yeah, I'm curious. It's happening in the world. It is going to affect my industry, mm-hmm. and I'm interested in where the technology can intersect with my day to day life. So, I, I, I think in some ways, some of these phrases like "follow your heart." Uh, yes, I do that, but I'm also. I'm also careful not to ascribe too much understanding of where different impulses or intrigues come from because I think that's part of the journey. Mm. Like when I start exploring something, if I really knew why I was exploring it, I probably wouldn't need to explore it. I explore it because I don't understand it. And then when I get further into an understanding, it sort of revealed to me why I was intrigued in the first place. And sometimes that's useful. Have you read that book, Big, mm, is it Big Magic? Mm -mm. Okay, so there's this concept about ideas and that ideas are a separate entity from ourselves, from humans, and that when a big, when someone comes up with a genius idea that they're really inspired by, they have to act on that and get it into action and manifest it into the world. Otherwise, that idea leaves them and finds someone else that is going to express it. Mm. Is there anything, have you had any experience around that? Having an idea come to you and if you don't put it into action, then someone else has rights. You know, that, it's a story yeah. about the exact same book was written yeah. by someone else across the world. That's definitely true because there's, there's another interesting book I read. Whoops. Hello. Another interesting book I read some years ago. I forget who it's by. I think it was by one of the editors of Wired magazine called What Technology Wants. And there was a major part of it about um, simultaneous invention. Mm. And they were saying that if you chart the top 100 inventors in in science and technology, and you go through their notebooks, you'll find the things that they were credited for, they might have one or two inventions that were like, oh, they were the first. But there was also many, many, many instances where they were the second or third working on something simultaneously with other people, but they just weren't the first one to like (sighs) ring the bell, right? Mm -hmm. So an exact, an exact, it's funny, I said uh, the bell. And another example of that is um, Alexander Graham Bell Bell. on the telephone. There was apparently four or five people working on a telephone. And this is obviously long before the internet and universal sharing of information. That was all happening at once. So... That is undeniable that that occurs. Um, I also noticed it in, I saw the movie The Beguiled, the Sofia Coppola movie, and there was a big scene where, uh, uh, I hope it's not a spoiler, uh, there was a major (laughs) catalyst for the story was the poisoning of a character, of a questionable male authority character with mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Right, um, like fun. And, but it's a kill designed to kill them. Yeah, and then oh, so similarly in the new uh, Paul Thomas Anderson movie, um, The Phantom Thread, which mm-hmm. I really like that. that movie. 
there's a similar plot yeah, point. Yeah, there is. Now, these movies were probably in production at the same time. Mm. These people, Sophia and Paul Thomas Anderson, are somewhat in similar circles, but I would doubt there was like some conspiracy to include this plot point. Mm. But if you think of that archetypally, what is that? A woman preparing a mushroom to kill a male authority? Mm. That's a very mythological idea, isn't it, about nature and femininity and the occult and psychedelics mm. and, uh, and like, witchcraft. Yeah, and, women you know, who uh, yeah. use nature for those types so of things. So would you say in so the I background know, right? that's one consciousness that we're all tapped into and we're sharing ideas on that plane? And yeah. like, what do you think well, is so behind you know, that? You know what I'm trying not to do at the moment and not to pretend to understand things I don't? I think all we can do is say there are these are phenomena. Like we know this phenomena exists, Mm -hmm. simultaneous creation, right? Do we need to ascribe some sort of cosmic understanding to it for it to be a value? Possibly. I don't know. I'm just saying in myself what I notice is like sometimes there's a discomfort uh, or a tension in how little we actually understand Mm -hmm. about the magic of how this universe works. So we need to sort of ascribe, and I think a lot of religion did this, ascribe sort of like dogmatic theology to all of it and say, well, this is because of this and there's that realm and that realm and that. And maybe they did have direct experience of that, I don't know. But I'm trying more and more just to like actually be honest with myself about Mm -hmm. what I know from experience, what I've seen happen, what I've seen happen in the world around me. And the rest of it is sort of like, a I mystery? don't know. I'll understand it when I understand it. Yeah. yeah. I think I think my thirst for wanting to know how things work and what's true and not is because I want to capitalize on that formula to then create more magic in my life or to look out for those synchronicities or to understand that if I have an idea, unless I do act on it, someone else will snatch it up. It's too embellish my own life experience. I, I get guess. that. I get that. But do yeah. you need to like if you think about so For me, there's an undeniable connection. Like you've heard the expression, success leaves clues, right? Mm -hmm. There's an undeniable connection between success in the world and positive thought. Undeniable. Like if you talk to people who are successful, we all know lots of successful people. Basically, if you ask them how it happened, they're going to tell you the major ingredient was that they were visualizing it. Mm -hmm. There was, they were putting a positive mindset towards their approach. Mm -hmm. Do we need to understand technically why that works in order to capitalize on it? I don't know. I mean, I would say a lot of people are looking for a rule book to follow exactly to get a particular result. I mean, I just but you know can that that's follow how the it without understanding works. it too. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, all yeah, I'm exactly. saying. Yeah. So I didn't, sorry, I interrupted you. Well, though. No, you were I, I, I was no. I you guys kind of covered it, but I just think it is within within human nature to want to understand our surroundings, and it's also within human nature to say, okay, the paradigm that we have been living in is not fully explaining all of our experience, and to try to find explanations. I, I see that as just a natural and drive. I also do see the danger of placing a truth on something as if if you do that, this is going to happen because it is all unique perspective for each one of us. Well, wait, I'm talking about something slightly different. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that I'm saying the need to be able to understand or explain the mechanics of how and why it happens, uh, right? Like I can drive a car, but I can't fix a car. That's same I can't answer. build a car. I know how to, except for today when I drove to the totally wrong part of LA to come to this podcast. <laughs> but well, there I can program into ways where I want it to take me, but I couldn't make the app. I don't That's even really true. understand how the app works. So yeah. I think we spend a lot of time um, 
trying to figure skipping the out. fundamentals of like mm. okay let me learn the rules of how mm. this stuff works with this obsession with understanding more stuff so much stuff that's out of our grasp like yeah i, I, I totally yeah. agree with you yeah. i also think that i mean for myself i can i have the internet in front of me this what anything i want to know i just get in there and i'm used to having this constant stream of stimuli yeah and i like to know i i just like to be learning the whole time yeah. and discovering new things and i've got so many interests i want to know more about how the world was created and the history of mankind and so i can't help but capitalize off the systems we have that you must you get some interesting estimation. google results like how was the world created <laughs> well but, i'm yeah. listening to sapiens okay yeah I mean, that's yeah. i i've heard his interviews the mm-hmm. author what's his name um Mm. Uh, forget the guy, uh, but I've heard him interviewed, and I love what he has to say. I have not read the book though. Trent, Trent, um, yeah, Trent loved, friend, it. Yeah. loved it as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's very tempting to have all that information at our fingertips and not want to know how things were done. But well, the the like, last the last seven or eight years of my life, I've been working on um, this musical uh, with the writer Tom I Robbins. Love you, you have do? to start, yeah. Jenna. Come on, okay. no, you don't have to start. I mean, no, I'm not a singer, <laughs> but I just love musical theater. Okay, so so this is this is one with um this guy writer Tom Robbins, American writer. He did a uh, Jitterbug Perfume, even Calgary's Got the Blues. 85 years old, amazing American legendary author, and we've written this musical together called Beers for Beer. And it's a psychedelic children's story about uh, the mystery of existence and the ultimate meaning of a long, tall, cold brewski. And, uh, and what it's really about, though, is about how we are hungrier to touch the mystery and the not knowing than we realize. Mm. Because everything has become so quantifiable. I mean, the the, the data, the Google results, the analytics, um, it gives us actually the illusion of understanding. Mm. And that's, I think, what I battle in myself. Because, you know, I'm a Virgo. I have this, like, attention to detail. I like learning too. Mm-hmm. But I also can really find myself deluded about how much I really understand. And what's interesting about beer and about alcohol is that, and again, it's a metaphor in this story. It's not really, this isn't really a tribute to alcohol. But what's interesting is if you look at it, it's one of the only socially acceptable means of regular people touching a mysterious state of consciousness Mm. in their day-to-day life. When we've become a very secular society and we don't have the church and we don't have public ritual and even poetry disappears and now books are kind of disappearing. And, you know, and so what is there? There's, there's the man coming home from work and opening a beer and not even really knowing why it's not the taste right? There's something else that happens. It puts someone in touch. Now, it's quite an ineffective tool in a way. There's much better yeah, tools. Yeah, there's much better tools yeah, than beer, But, but it's interesting because of how popular it is, right? Mm-hmm. And anyway, this, this particular project has really led me to contemplate how little room there is in our life for not knowing mm-hmm. and for admitting we don't know and how delicious uh, poetry and not the knowing and just the, yeah. the mystery is yeah, yeah it's the, about the mystery yeah it's true so. we've been completely conditioned to want to have all the answers to everything and expect them and, and, and yeah, also to, to feel like our that need of control and like we have control of our surroundings and it's almost like this deep um i don't know what it is but so something along what those are lines. you using to get yourself in the space of just being okay with the mystery? Like what tools do you apply to stop yourself from researching and getting involved and wanting to know the mechanics of whatever you're interested in? Okay, so this is just another, you know, side note, but I think even the 
the question is part of the problem. What are the tools you yeah. need to have in order to battle yourself? Totally. I'm desiring wanting to, to know. Like, <laughs> that's why people love these like 10 steps to the, like, yeah. I don't know if you guys have, you have, you guys have done a book together or not. You will we're probably. Yeah, you're working. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure when you <laughs> take the publishers, they're going to be, well. turn it into a ten step the 10 step guide yeah, to being yeah, a cool mom and you know, whatever. Yeah, they keep no. the bedroom fiery with your, <laughs> your, while you're all this. So, so, um, so, you know, people love this sort of um, dumbing recipe. down totally. into recipes, right? Yeah, Which is what you totally. said a few minutes ago. Um, and I'm not sure. That's what you're sure. trying to get you to do. Right I'm now. not sure. You know, last night I, I made an error. I was, so I have this band, Radner and Lee, and we were doing this Facebook live broadcast. And I did, it's funny, today I helped you with the audio. Last night I really messed up the audio on this Facebook live broadcast. And I went to bed and I just lay there basically like beating myself up. I'm just having like kind of that minor anxiety attack <laughs> yeah, when you make totally, a technical error. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, oh totally. I totally screwed up the audio. And and um, and I, I spent some time in there and I was going, oh, it's so interesting. Like people use mantras and people have tools and visualizations, all this stuff. But what do I really want to protect right now? If I'm not liking this experience, what do I want? And I just thought happiness. Mm-hmm. I want to be happy. I want to let myself be happy despite the fact that I made this mistake. Totally. Um, do I need a tool for that? Do I, Maybe at some points. At this point in my life, I feel like tools are kind of getting in the way. Maybe because of my own attachment to uh, the, the idea of like wanting recipes and mantras and tools and all that. Taking away the authenticity for each person and how they get there maybe. At this point, I kind of, I kind of want to trust what I'm feeling and I'm ready to... I guess because I'm more than ever okay with failing mm. at this point of my life that uh, I don't want a foolproof guide. I want my process. Mm. See, that I mean, that takes a lot of guts to get to the place where you're okay with the unknown. You're not attached to results or going a certain way. But that's what's great about being an artist because you have no choice. Like w- me and my wife, you know, we flipped a house a few years ago, mm. remember? Like we, we took this... 880 square foot house and turned into a 2000 square foot house. So, but our realtor said before, he's like, do you have the stomach for this? I was like, dude, we're artists. All we do is fail. (laughs) So the great training that I got from 14 years old, from I started so young making music was I just got used to failing. Um, I I know a lot of people. But you've also had some success. No, that's right. That's right. But proportionately, if you look at say, say you do it by songs, Mm -hmm. right? Or albums, maybe a little more macro. Albums that have like connected in a form that you'd call them a success, whether it was critics, fans, radio, Mm -hmm. whatever, versus albums I've made that have kind of disappeared into the ether, Mm -hmm. much more on the latter, (laughs) right? So it's kind of like you just start going like, oh, that's normal. Normal is that the world is not going to validate every single impulse I have creatively. Mm -hmm. There might be a few where they do, and that's great. But you just get used to it as an artist. So it's a pretty good training, I think. I was about to say that training of just constantly creating and putting yourself out there to be rejected for something to fail or to succeed, to succeed, just that training, I feel like that's at the core of what drives your infinite possibilities. The idea of you just have to be in action and keep on going and not be attached to the outcome and not take it personally because you have so many balls in the air and one of your incredible abilities is to see things through. And um, it must be that tolerance to um, the concept of fear around it. Is it going to succeed? Is it not going to succeed? If it's not, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to keep going. 
Um, what do you say to someone who's who's wanting to create this dream of theirs to create a world of infinite possibilities? Well, I don't I don't necessarily have any advice because what I only know what's worked for me or what's been important to me. Now, what's been important to me in my life has been that my creativity has integrity to it, right? So where does that integrity come from? Well, I think you actually have to earn it. I think integrity is like, it's all very well to meet someone that's like got great ideas and they believe in them, but if they don't execute them, you don't think of that person when you need something. You know what I mean? Like, so for me, what I saw was, there was like an effectiveness that I desired. And this might be totally from my ego, but I wanted that reputation. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be someone who's like, it's almost like when you decide not to lie, you just decide you want your word to be worth something, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, I wanted my creative word to be worth Mm -hmm. something. And what, so everything we want, we have to think, what am I willing to sacrifice for that? Because nothing's free, right? Everything's in exchange. So I knew that like if I wanted creative integrity, what I had to sacrifice was my discomfort with my, my like I had to give up the discomfort of what it would take to finish things and complete things. So that became kind of like, I don't think I said that the right way, but it became non-negotiable for me that when I started something, I had to finish it Mm. because I knew that the, I think we get sort of like delusional if we think the implications of not finishing something are only on the project itself. They have ripples into every other area of our life. And there's an expression I love when people say, if you want something done properly, find someone busy to do it. Right? Because you want the person who's not afraid to get things done. You want their help, mm-hmm. right? So it's like not everyone has to be the same type of person. I'm talking about a specific goal I had, mm-hmm. which involved, for better or worse, good projects, bad projects, successful, unsuccessful, getting finishing. it done and finishing. That them is such a And superpower. putting them out there. And that's I, it, you know? Yeah, I need to take that on and start exercising that. The amount of amazing ideas and projects I've started and never finished. And I think that's a lot of people's story, but I love the way that you connected it to it being an extension of you and integrity and integrity. And and you're right. You would probably see that in someone's relationships and the way they tidy their room or don't tidy it or the way they cook or just an extension of how they are in the world. Well, I've noticed the last year, um, I've had this for a long time, but really the last year, I got some phone calls that were really interesting. Um, one of them was to produce this singer, Jill Sobule, who's like a great, great singer songwriter um, and produce her record, which I did. Another one was to music direct this songwriter. A lot of people like called Daniel Johnston. He's a very eccentric. There's a great documentary on him called the devil and Daniel Johnston. Um, and I, I, I did both these jobs and I really enjoyed them. I found them challenging in different ways, but really loved them both. And, I had this moment of realization that was like, look, I am not the technically best musician in the world. I'm just not like I, I can do what I do. I, I kind of know my strengths and weaknesses. Um, I'm not the best producer in the world. I'm not, it's like, I'm not number one in any of these areas. So I was like, why is the phone ringing? But just seeing it through and having the executive functioning skills to see it. That's right. Okay. That's part of it. And the other is that, I think I'm a reasonably nice person to work with. And I think those two things though, like if you can get it done 
and you kind of bring a good energy to something, that's everything. The phone's gonna ring. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know what the job's gonna be, but like, I just think of it in terms of like, like quality I, of human you are. And- so yeah, like Ioni just got this. My wife just got this new great job, right? She's on this new HBO show from um, you, you. The, from the, um, Lena and Jenny Connor who did um, Girls, right? It's called Camping, and. What I was so attuned to through the process was that part of what you're getting hired for with a TV show is people going, do I want to hang out with this person for three to six months? How easy they are to work with because a lot of actresses can be drama queens. and Is it going to be a good vibe? Yeah, I completely agree. And of course, you then have to mix it with the right amount of talent and all the technique and all that. But, But I just think these two the two components of being a value adding person that like brings a good energy to projects Huge. and people like, they don't cringe when they see your name on caller ID <laughs> um, and then getting it finished and yeah. delivering. It's amazing. These are two skills that anyone can develop. They're not at all specialized. You know what I mean? Like yeah. literally any person can be nicer to people yeah. and can complete the things they say they're going to yeah, do. It's, it's really about coming back to integrity. It's yeah. about being committed to your word, your action, you say you're going to do something, showing up, your kindness, your communication, it's all integrity. Yeah. Well, right. you know, though, I, I've found in creating art sometimes that you do come up against a wall within yourself where sometimes to really create great art, you have to dig so deep within yourself. And those are uncomfortable places. Those are places that people have resistance to really getting down. So um, I think with a lot of times with artists, sometimes they might not finish their projects because it's like they don't have the stomach to like really get down to these parts of themselves, which need to be gotten down to. Um, do you, can you speak to that? With, with your own experience, like I, I totally overcoming, <laughs> overcoming those barriers within yourself that allows you to just push through, you know, and see these projects to the end? I mean, look, there's no way I can, I think to, oh, it's so hard because you got to kind of just be like, be an animal to get it done. You know it's what great. I mean? Like, And I would say starting <laughs> at animal. the seed of that, starting from a place which you are really turned on around, like mm-hmm. I really am excited to create this project rather than oh, I feel obliged mm-hmm. or it's the formula to make money or whatever. If it's I not mean, a hell yes, I, it's a no. Exactly. So, I mean. But I don't be delusional that I, I, I was saying the other day, so if you, this musical we've been working on it for so long. Where are I, you in this, by the so way? So we're, we're doing an album at the moment um, of all the songs and it's with um, uh, Belinda Carlisle, Busy Phillips, Paul F. Tompkins, John Cryer, um, uh, Laura Silverman, great actors. It, it's going to be awesome. But but I was seeing the other day and I was laughing with Paul. I was like, there's not one single project that I haven't got halfway through and thought, why did I start this? <laughs> and so I'm not delusional about that. Like when I start a project now after so many You're years, prepping yourself. 25 years, I'm like, <laughs> there's going to come a point where I don't want to do it. And it's kind of yes. like relationships. Like if you go into a relationship at the beginning, thinking the it's honeymoon's going to last oh, forever. Good luck. Then you're going to get heartbroken. Whereas if you go in going, oh, okay, this is the cruisy part. Then it's going to get really hard. Then there's going to be like huge payoffs. And you're just kind of like grounded. Then you don't get disappointed when it gets hard. You go, totally. oh, yeah, this is it. It gets That's hard. That's the right? resistance. So, yeah. Did, did you read that book, um, The Art of War? I, mean, I feel like the, I've, I the war think I read it. I, I, so if not, enough people have told me about it where I, I feel like I read it. So that's all about the resistance. Yeah. That resistance that each artist faced as they're actually approaching completion or they're about to have a breakthrough, they get this element of resistance, of writer's block, of mm-hmm. like... Or for know, me, like my hands will literally hurt. Like I yeah. physically feel sometimes like when I'm typing, like I can't type anymore. That happened yesterday. And what makes the difference is someone having the mindset to be able to push through that resistance. 
resistance to the next level. And do you find, what do you find is on the other side of that resistance? This is where I think we get into the, the infinite possibility is that what you learn about yourself is that you are capable of much more than you originally thought. So it sounds cold. Like when I tell someone, dude, just man up, finish it. I don't care how hard it is. <laughs> Get it done, right? It, it sounds cold and it sounds like it's got a lack of compassion, but it's but only it because, takes- yeah, like as a producer, I say, I just believe they can do it. I'm actually being a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sorry I'm not indulging how hard it is and I'm sorry your hands are hurting while you're typing. I mean, we all yeah. go through it, right? Mm-hmm. It's like we've all got our personal hell we have to go through mm-hmm. while making our dreams a reality. Mm-hmm. But I don't really want to talk about it. Um, I mean, <laughs> I hate to talk about it now, but I don't want to talk about inner process. I don't want to give it much more credence. I'm like, yeah, it's really hard. Okay, let's talk about the next step in getting it done mm-hmm. because ultimately let's be people that get it done. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Let's not be the people that fell on the battlefield because it got a bit tricky at one point. Let's be the people that look back and go, huh, look what we made it through. Totally. So We're channeling it, you know. this, channeling this Ben energy. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think success is? What's your definition of success? <sighs> um, I, there is an element. I, for a long time, I was very... I think, you know, it goes in phases. I think these things change. For a long time, I was so focused on the validation mm-hmm. of success, you know, um, the means in which uh, Ego people like it and they, mm-hmm. or even just, you know, people come to the concerts or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, and then I went the other way and I was like, it's just for me. It's just for me, you know. And now I, I, I have to admit there is a difference between when the phone's ringing and when it's not. Um, And there's no way to divorce that from a feeling of success. Like when you are providing a service that is in demand somewhat within your community, that's a very like rational way to look at success. Like if you open a breakfast joint in Venice and no one's coming to it, you can go, oh, we just made the best breakfast in the world. I really feel like it was a success. Mm. It's not a success because people didn't want the thing you were providing. Mm. So there has to be some element of reciprocation. I completely agree There has that. to be some. But on the other hand, that does have to be balanced with a sense of your own growth and a sense of a deepening of your relationship to what you're doing. I mean... I think with all these types of questions where I'm at at this point in my life is recognizing that they're more multifaceted and complicated Mm. than people often want to. It's not the 10 rules. It's like, it's like, how can I say it doesn't involve having enough money, making enough money to support your family? Mm. I mean, money is just an energy, um, but it's an energy that we require in order to not be worried about that energy, right? <laughs> so it's like we got to, it's got to involve having some money coming in, but it can't be being dominated by money mm-hmm. and that being the only way of justifying it. So it's, it's mm-hmm. complicated, you know? Oh, you're going to love my next question then, coming off that one. <laughs> um, just wondering, in looking back at your life and the projects that you've seen through, which is, you know, millions probably, the ones that have attained some degree of success, would you say there is a difference um, in the way you approached it or the way you pushed through? Or is there a difference between your successful, so-called successful projects and the ones that This is a million-dollar question. I mean, I'd say every artist 
asks himself this question, if not daily, but at men, least once a week. <laughs> many say they don't know until that's received, right? That's true. That's true. But when you look back, you go, okay, what was the common denominator? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. why the formula, did that the recipe, connect on that? The ten steps. that? Now, what I'm realizing is that this is just where I'm at today. I can only answer today. That in the past, there was more luck involved, meaning that so when you play, when you gamble, if you make enough bets, you're probably going to win at some point, right? So if you, if you write enough songs, you're putting it out, and you, eventually one of them will probably connect or another. But the science of it, uh, the science of your artistry of sharing who you are is not quite there. It's like you're working on volume. You know what I mean? It's like I'm going to like do enough projects that, and that is totally valid. Like I do believe, I remember um, Joel Madden from Good Charlotte saying to me, I, I took this advice, I love this advice. He said, I always have at least five horses in the race. He says, because one of them will go. He's like, I don't care which one. And I was like, I love that. I love the lack of attachment. Mm-hmm. And I do do that. I, I, I always work on multiple projects. It's like, I think of it like an investment portfolio. Yeah, totally. That like you can't put all your eggs in one basket. It's mm-hmm. just not clever. It, it doesn't. Numbers game, productivity. The more you put out there, the, the yeah. better your chance. And you got to so still be seeds. selective. I wouldn't have 10 yeah. because how can you, you don't have the bandwidth for it, right? But each of us can probably have four or five projects that we are like, we're invested in and we're trying and we're building. Now, there's another side to it, though, which is that as your mindset, for me, as my mindset has become more success-oriented, mm-hmm. meaning that my self-worth in a genuine sense has increased, I believe in the value that I'm bringing to projects, uh, I like myself better. I don't know. I, I feel supported. I, I, my wife is very supportive. I have a nice support system. As my mindset becomes more success oriented, the likelihood of finding yourself in the right place in the right time with the right project is increased. Mm. So you can't always reverse engineer it in terms of the technical aspects of the project that worked. But often there is a belief at the time that something good will probably happen to you. Why not you? Yeah, well, <laughs> you know what I mean? Sense. This is the law of attraction, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, it's like, why not you? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, There's it's, only it's, one Ben Lee out there. It's I mean, funny. It's like I remember having breakfast with Zoe Deschanel years ago before she did The New Girl, before her band broke up. We were at a diner. We were, I mean, broke out, I should say, her band, um, before they got really big. Um, we were having breakfast, and she's, she's an oddball, right? Zoe is a unique person. She is not someone you would meet and go, ah. Oh, destined to be the leading lady on a TV show. She's, she's a unique person. And she, we were talking about this kind of subject about success and being in the industry and being different. And she said, I just think of it as there's lots of room at the top. And I thought, wow, what an abundant belief system. Like most people go, how am I going to get mine? 100%. And she's just like, I reckon there's a lot to go around. And in that moment, I believed she would find great success. Mm-hmm. I didn't know him what, but that's what I was saying. Like, if you look at successful people, you do see there is some sort of common phenomena mm-hmm. 
where they whether they've trained themselves or they were well parented or they <laughs> read a book. I don't know what happened. They're thinking big. And yeah, they expansive. just believe it's possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's and it, it becomes possible because they believe it's possible. So it's very weird. Oh, know? good. Then we definitely have what it takes. <laughs> <laughs> we believe it's possible. Oh, keeping that mindset is everything, isn't it? Just got to keep pushing through the sound barrier, one foot in front of the other. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you about your music and your connection to music. So, where do you find, were you born with that? passion to create music how come your creative talents are channeled through specifically through music because i've just got a couple of your album titles here freedom love and the recuperation of the human mind love that good one love is the great rebellion truth true ayahuasca welcome to the work one of my favorite titles. Amazing. I'm pretty and good with titles, apparently. You're yeah. really good with titles. And Awake is the New Sleep. So yeah. there seems to be a very, um, a common thread through that of... Consciousness. Consciousness. Awakening. Yeah. To love. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't... The, the, the question about music... They're two different questions in yeah, there. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Music and titles. <laughs> music and, and spirituality okay. and how that... Um, how you connected that and how that changed your yeah, trajectory. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, sorry, go uh, ahead. No, so, no, no, one other aspect of that. Let's add a like, third question. I'm <laughs> adding a third question and you can come around to Multifaceted. it. It's like so many other musical artists like don't want to, you know, don't get into this true spiritual subject matter and you've been able to do that successfully and I want to know about that too. Okay. That's so, totally okay, so let's just go back to music for a second because it's something I've pondered a bit lately um, because I was very fortunate. Okay, So my personality type is I was never going to be the guy who sat and practiced guitar 12 hours a day and learned how to go, Emily, 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 Ernie, Ernie, you know, like like these guys that are just like prodigies, right? Um, I do not have that personality type. I'm interested in learning the minimum in many different things. And getting the maximum results. And starting to use them, (laughs) using them. I like using them, you know, like I like using information, right? Being in action. So, so... I was very fortunate that when I was 14 years old and I started writing and recording very crudely because I'd learned the minimum, there was a trend happening in the world to do with lo-fi music and home recordings, right? So there was um, Liz Fair had put her first record out. Beck was coming out. Um, People that were doing these like weirdo lo-fi recordings that weren't technically super proficient but really heartfelt, interesting yeah. personalities, right? Mm-hmm. Now, had so had I been born 100 years before, with my skill set, I don't think I'd have ever got off the ground in music. But something happened with the intersection of what I was capable of doing and what was going on in the zeitgeist, and that led me, it opened a door that I got my foot in the door and was able to keep going with, right? But I do wonder in another time and place, what would that have looked like? Because I was more interested in being like a troubadour or being sort of like a storyteller um, than being a technical musician, right? In terms of spirituality, um, I think the word overcomplicates it a little bit. I've always written transparently. So the albums that I put out always reflected where I was at and what I was into. Yeah. So without overthinking it too much, hey, that year I I drank a lot of ayahuasca. (laughs) (laughs) Let's call the album Ayahuasca. I think I was there right next to you. So, yeah. So I I try not to doubt, again, coming back to like what my interest is. That's Mm -hmm. my interest. Now, 
I don't need there to be coming from punk rock and underground music. One of the biggest belief systems was I didn't need everyone to love me. I don't need everyone to agree. Great attitude. I need to find a few people. That makes you unstoppable. I need some people because you can't do it totally by yourself. <laughs> like um, your mom, your dad. No, no, I but I mean, realistically. <laughs> Did your it, parents support you? Okay. Like for you, there's another, another interesting one. For, but <laughs> say for you guys, I don't know where the podcast is at, but if you find an audience of one to 5,000 people that are hardcore, this is their favorite, like you are their people, they're your people, you can sustain that. That can become a great uh, business, a great brand, a great creative expression, connection, dialogue with community. Um, maybe you're already there. Sorry, I don't know all the statistics on podcasts. No way. Okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> I'm just saying I didn't mean to be presumptuous. No, no, it's good. But, but so that I came in with that belief, right, that like if the what I need to do is bring the people that are going to vibrate with me on my interests and connect with them. Now, that's not to say there are periods I very intentionally attempted to sell out and it just never worked very well. Hmm. Much like being born the time of places, had I successfully sold out at some point, I'd have probably gone on a totally different trajectory. You see, there's something so valuable in not being afraid to be fully authentically yourself, what you're into, what you're doing, coming from. This is just me. You can like it or not like yeah, it. Yeah, people are, just don't feel that much confident. Usually, yeah, that's right. Well, people can taught themselves, I think, a lot. But maybe the they trends. get rewarded for it. Like maybe they maybe they do something that's compromising, and that becomes their biggest moment. And their parents clap when they're little, and the teachers mm. say they're good. And then they're like, "Oh, I get it. It's kind of about." Do you think I just didn't have really that. Like satisfying or maintainable, not creating from this place of like authenticity. Like I, I feel like there's something in what attracts me to music or a person or art, whatever it is, there is that element of magic where I feel it's truly an extension of them. It, like I, I can see if someone's contorting themselves to what they think I want them to be or if they're being fully authentically themselves. I don't care whether I'm into their ideas or not. And that is the element which intrigues me and gets me curious and brings respect well, you might be person. right, but, but I see that as like sort of not my business and not my place to judge uh, someone else's relationship because ultimately all I know is what's coming off the record. It, there are cases, I think, where something sounds authentic and feels authentic and then you ask the artist, they're like, I don't know. I was just like, my label told me to write one more song. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. it worked for you, right? Like doing yes, what you wanted me, to do. But, but, but again, I, I don't want to grandstand and make myself seem more self-aware than I was is a process of failure. Mm. Like my compromises didn't work. So at the end of the day, all you're left with is what's authentic. I think that's very unusual though. I think that's, no, that's what I that's mean. Your that's, story. Story. That's, yeah, that's your story. That's interesting. You must've had a very supportive environment that would allow for that uh, a level of authenticity. Maybe as opposed to what would the other choice? Well, but just the keep other trying, choice would keep be trying like, to compromise. for example, in my upbringing, like if I was trying to be authentic artistically, I would get like told that that was not okay, not appropriate, and it shut that down. You know? Yeah, I think I I probably had a bit more of the like Jewish uh, like over. Bearing, like over supportive. Well, Jewish parents don't want their children to be artists. <laughs> and they I mean, also don't Jewish. want them to be hurt. And they yeah. don't want their, and But <laughs> you also get the like, but my son, he's so special. You know, like <laughs> it is interesting that you do yeah. meet people, especially in this town, uh, successful people who were sort of set up for day one by their mothers. 
um, who told them when you grow up, you can be anything you want, right? I think we're all raising our kids like that now, but but that does do something, you know, when your parents believe in yeah, you. Yeah, it does. Infinite possibilities. It yeah. really does. And when they don't, it also does something to you. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. Uh, that being said, uh, I think at the end of the day, on the journey of discovering who we are, we all get shut down a lot of times, you yeah. know, like the, 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 the nature of it, of just this world is that you are going to get attacked. Mm. Um, some of it may be justified. I've learned a lot from my critics. I would very rarely say, I actually can't think of one case where the person criticizing me did not have a grain of truth to what they were saying. Mm. Um, I particularly remember one of the most brutal ones. When I was 18, I made this record called... I, I loved folk music. And the thing about folk music is it was all made by older people. Like, you can't be an 18-year-old authentic <laughs> folk musician <laughs> as an Australian Jewish middle-class <laughs> guy because there's no other... So there's posturing, right? And if you're living so, infinite possibility. Yeah, maybe, but so, <laughs> that's in my mind, right? So I'm like, I'm really into it. I'm feeling it. I'm like, I would say it's authentic to me. Yeah. But there's, I can see there's like... but So I got a review... And someone said, I think I had a lyric on the album. I'm 18. I said, done more than some their whole lives unfold, right? So like a folk lyric. And the journalist wrote, okay, Ben, we get it. You've been on a plane. Um, (laughs) And and I thought it was very funny um, and hurt my feelings and was true. In In that, I was speaking insensitively to my audience, I was being like condescending, mm-hmm. right? Like in my own mythology of how big my life had been. And it was kind of an interesting life because I started young and was doing a, also it was totally reductive of my audience's experiences. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they had big experiences too. So that contained something. In, it made me think the way I talk, don't insult people. Mm, like you can, you can believe in how big your experiences mm-hmm. are, but don't belittle theirs mm-hmm. because it, it's, it actually alienates the audience, you know. Mm. So that's just one example where criticism, I thought, it usually, even if they're mean, there's usually something true in it. Well, see, that just shows that what, the toughness of your skin, though, that you could even just say that so plainly and be like, yeah, every criticism has a grain of salt, but a grain of truth, but, like, I just don't let it get under my skin. So that's what I want to know. Where do it's you amazing. take your mind in that moment where you do feel the rejection, the criticism, the things that would quite often take people out rather than um, pushing through that resistance. Where does your mind go in that moment where you get shut down? I, I would just want to You get that pang of, of criticism where you're like, oh, they don't like me and they, they might be right. Like, where does your mind go Do you know to- what a good clue is? Humor. Ah. <laughs> Humor That's is fantastic. One. Lightness. Because when you can laugh at yourself, like... Uh, you only give up and be defeated when you you're take taking yourself seriously. way too seriously. I totally agree. And taking the battle way too I seriously. I totally agree. Like, it's funny. I mean, rejection <laughs> is funny. It's funny on That's a personal a, level. It's like, amazing that he's saying that. I've never heard anyone have this attitude with rejection. <laughs> it's hilarious. It like, is funny. I mean, it's so funny that I could spend two years working on an album and, then and it's like you put it out. It. It's not even ignored. It's like, it's literally like, Unmanifested, like I, I, it's like I release the thing, and it's as if it never existed. Like, like it's hilarious. There's cosmic humor in it, right? So, like, if you learn to laugh, 
I mean, my wife is amazing at that, you know, like she's someone who's been through a lot in her life. And I'll never forget once we were in India and I was really stressed out. We were in this little tuk-tuk, you know, these little uh, guy driving this thing into town and this storm, this tropical storm started and it was crazy. It was like, it came out of nowhere (laughs) and suddenly trees were falling across the road and I had to get out and like with the driver of the tuk-tuk, like lift the tree out of the way. And Ioni is, I'm like totally freaking out because I'm like, is lightning going to (laughs) strike us? And Ioni's just laughing. And, um, and she's, helped me i have a natural i am i love to laugh and i love just having a sense of humor about things because it's it really it's just it's it's like a form of alchemy i mean when you laugh you totally, totally change the energy around something totally. but she has really enhanced that in me like we just um we laugh together a lot and when you balance that with ambition and with aspiration mm. and hard work and commitment it, it just it makes everything better. I totally agree. Amazing. Laughter is such medicine. It's like my number one thing. I mean, with yeah. partnerships you're specifically. Good at that. Most jokes go over my head. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. But you're getting better. But with Carrie, you know, my husband for the audience, but Ben knows Carrie. And your husband, just... not just for the audience. <laughs> <laughs> true. Um, your stage husband. <laughs> he is just, the. that's the glue. It's that constant humor, not taking things seriously with himself, especially. It's like constantly digging at himself and there's something so light and vulnerable and interesting about that. Totally. And people get threatened by that too, you know, like if you laugh. They don't know how to interpret it. I know, like you laugh about things and they go. They take the laughing seriously. Why aren't you taking it seriously? (laughs) And, you know, I I just would rather be... You know, it's funny. It's like laughing all the way to the bank. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, to use another uh, metaphor, it's like, I mean, I prefer to take a joyous path to mm. my own health. Mm. You know what I mean? That like, yeah, maybe I've laughed at some inappropriate moments to relieve tension. At least you're laughing. Maybe I've, you know, yeah, but I'm <laughs> laughing. I'd rather be day. the person <laughs> laughing in the room than being mad at the person laughing. Yeah, laughing and laugh crying is the same release in the words of Joni Mitchell. So Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, what do you, uh, you have an interesting question for Ben, didn't you? Did I? Here, <laughs> yeah, this one here. This I, one? Yeah, that one. What's that about? Okay, well, unfortunately, we live in a world full of negativity and negative paradigms in many ways. How do you, as an artist and entertainer, protect yourself against this encroaching darkness? And how do you find that the industry, do you find that the, your industry in general is supportive of that work of your work. I know he just laughs his way through. Yeah, no, now we never know the answer to that. <laughs> yeah. Just laughs his way I, through. Yeah, I, I find the um it's a tricky question mm-hmm. because it's built on a premise that you may not believe of understanding something about that's happening with the world mm-hmm. that I'm not sure. And you're breaking sure. that down right now. I, I, I hear the theory. I see there's climate change. Um, I'm not an idiot. Well, I not, see who okay, the president let me is. Be, let me be a little more clear then. Like yeah. if you listen to music, popular yes, music, yeah. the lyrics and the things that they're putting forth, the ideas are not really at the, the sort of vibration of your album titles. You know, they're not talking about love. They're not talking about spreading love and consciousness. Oftentimes, are talking about being up in the club, being drunk, like yeah, yeah, dumb yeah. bitches, you know, yeah. and that seems to be what your industry standard kind of yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. So my question really is, do you feel pressure to kind of be like that? Or if not, how do you cope with that? Yeah. Um, 
Okay. That's, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I'm more aware of it as a parent, Mm -hmm. probably, because I don't, I do like, I subscribe to Billboard magazine Mm -hmm. and, and usually when I get it, I sit with the computer and I listen to whatever like are the hits or the new artists that I I haven't heard just even for 30 seconds, Mm -hmm. Um, not in a space of competitiveness or judgment or anything, just going, let's see what's happening in the industry, you know, because we're in a conversation, cultural conversation. I'd like to hear what else is being said. Mm -hmm. Most of it's not for me, (laughs) to be honest. When I hear it, it's like, I don't care for it that much. Um, uh, As a parent, I'm a little more concerned just because I mean, it's an interesting time because I actually just retweeted an article that Molly Ringwald wrote on The New Yorker this week about The Breakfast Club and about watching it with her daughter and how she looked at sort of the gender roles, the attitudes to sex and how this was this movie that was sort of forward thinking about teenagers but also problematic. Um, So I, I think that's something as parents that we examine. You know, at the end of the day, I'm... I'm more likely to, it's just, you know, I'm old, you know, I'm 39, like I'm going to be 40 this year. No, but, but I'm not in the business of selling music to 16 year olds. Mm -hmm. I'm not. And you don't care to be. I just, I've always found it undignified. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like when you would see Aerosmith, like being in their fifties, like still singing songs for 16 year olds about, I don't want to break up with you or, you know, whatever it was. Mm, I just would feel like, well, it's just, it's (laughs) what they did, right? That's, and Aerosmith are great, but it's like, I just didn't care about, I liked Loudon Wainwright and Bob Dylan and Paul Simon who wrote songs about getting older. I love Paul Um, Simon. Yeah. So, so it's just a different thing. And it's funny now, like with Radner and Lee, my band, like we, you know, Josh is 42 and 39. We have people coming to the shows and I'm trying to go, okay, it's working. It's like people like it and I'm trying to go, what is it that they're liking about this? It's really, it's quite unusual to see two guys basically go, hey, you know what we're going to do in our 40s? Let's start a band. Um, it, it's sort of not cool, right? But I, I think that's really well, it's cool. cool for us. It's cool yeah. for us. But, but, but what I'm realizing is that there are other things to be explored. I think male friendship is something that people aren't used to seeing mm. played out on a stage. They're not used to seeing two men singing together and enjoying each other and laughing together, um, connecting, uh, taking life seriously, but still having a sense of humor. And I think I've, as an artist, you're differentiating points from what's happening in the marketplace. Uh, they're actually strengths. They're not weaknesses. Like, yes, if I was trying to get a song into the charts right now, I'd probably think, oh, what are the odds of that? With But the, the great thing about America is such a big market, you know, that you don't, again, you don't need everyone to love you. You just need to find your people. So so that whole world, I don't know. I just don't. It doesn't feel like you feel pressure from your industry to be any sort of way. I and, just, I'm not, I'm failed. I'm a niche. failed. It's like. <laughs> just carved out your own little niche and that's just. No, but you, it's easy to say that now, like 25 years in, but, but really I, I'm in. I'm basically underutilized and uh, ignored by my industry. (laughs) (laughs) That's the answer. That is the answer that I'm looking for because in a way. It's like they didn't want to play with me, you know? So so my choice is do I then stop playing or do I just play on my own? So that's what I do. Okay. Um, And that's that's the kind of artist I like. You've got to be playing in order to get other friends. You've got to be in the playground playing to be meeting new people. Yeah, and and then you meet your own. And then your whole group grows and grows and grows, but you've got to be playing. That's right. And you meet younger artists and they go, Oh, I was actually inspired by you, and that, and I go, oh, really cool. Um, uh, 
so that's it's pretty. But I, I had a lyric. I had this song years ago on this uh, record, Rape, called "Numb," and th- there was a line in it. Um, and now they're telling me the music industry: you can stay if you behave, be a be a good boy, and go to sleep. Um, See, that's and, what I'm talking about. And that was kind of like. Yeah, you sort of feel. I felt that invitation yes. at one point. Yes, um, but you didn't sell I out. I didn't. Guess. Well, it just didn't click for me. You know, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, w- I look at someone like Taylor Swift, say, right, or Ed Sheeran. Who mm-hmm. there's been a. I, I could argue that potentially me and them are sort of cut from similar cloth in the sense that we're songwriters. We write from the heart. Started we write about young. love. We study. Yeah, you know, uh, it's not that different. Like maybe Taylor Swift came from more like show business aspirations in her family or something. Ed Sheeran, I don't think did. I think that guy's just like a, a goofy Random guy that like to write songs, right? But so you could say arguably um, we're not that dissimilar. Totally. Yet there's been a steady up-leveling for them of commercial, both commercial appeal and um, success and merging with popular culture and becoming parts of the fabric of a sort of mainstream conversation that, I don't know, maybe that could have happened for me. It didn't. And that's, so what, what am I going to spend time thinking? <laughs> it's the first time I've thought well, about it. Do you think did. that like they sold out to the dark side or, and that's why no, they got see, to That's do what it. I'm saying. I don't think so. You don't, so. You don't I just think, so. think life presents you. I, people tell me that. Like, well, what I, if you yeah. were presented with the opportunity to quote, sell out to the well, dark side. Well, that's what I'm saying. I probably would have taken it. And, but until you would have <laughs> taken it. Probably. I mean, when I was, I'm someone, I'm a very experiential person. Like, what, if they had to, what if you had to do something horrible, like to, to get into that club? Would you have done it? Um, Like sleep with Harvey Weinstein No, or like something? kill a child. <laughs> I don't think I would have killed a child. Yeah, no, I, I love it. So I was invited to a satanic <laughs> yeah, ritual. Yes. I don't think I would have done so that. You had but I, a, I don't think those people have done that either. Well, okay, but that's uh, just an opinion. But like if you have to. Someone's been watching some YouTube. Conspiracy? <laughs> no, no. I actually, okay. well, I have watched some things on YouTube, but it's just <laughs> a lot of, of research on my part. But you know, we, we don't have to agree on this. But I'm just curious. Well, no. <laughs> look, look. I'll say this. I think um, darkness and compromise are much more insidious than that. Like, like it's almost like we want it to be child sacrifice or sexual favors for a producer because we can we understand that, right? The the the, the more subtle compromise is just the quieting of our own voice and the subservience to a corporate agenda Mm. that happens in tiny, tiny stages, Mm. you know? And that would be more the danger. I think that before you know it, you're sort of expressing the system rather than expressing yourself. Right. Um, And that I, I would not... I wouldn't like to jinx myself by putting myself above that. Um, I, I think that is something I want to stay on guard against, which is just continuing to make work that I'm interested in and that floats my boat and I totally. like, you know. Totally. Beautiful. And no child sacrifice. I will commit to that <laughs> no, today. I, 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 I can just tell are. from your album title there's been no child sacrifice here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So um, based on today's topic... Uh, creating a life of infinite possibility. Is there anything else that you want to discuss or offer up if a listener is interested in really breaking through to the next level and achieving their dreams and pushing through into a life of infinite possibility? He doesn't have any advice or tips, (laughs) But I I would just say that people seem to know. Like Mm. 
most to people follow your intuition? ask yeah most people like ask something and in their question they already have the answer that they want to they want you to spell out for them like mostly when we want advice we basically want someone to mirror back our own openness know. and so, our own perfect so so You're then like there. sometimes like people go you know what i really want to quit my job and start taking my writing more seriously Boom. but quit your i'm job. scared to do it I was like what are you asking me about yeah, this for you just you, so me. so in some ways i think and not that that's the answer for everybody because i think actually moderation and being patient requires its own whole skill set of like not making drastic overnight changes but like slowly and consistently practicing something slow and consistent practice is a great but tip. everyone's different you know so so i think the main thing is like what I've come to realize, say as a producer, like when I'm producing albums is to serve the vision of the person who's in front of me, not to tell them the kind of artist I think they are. So my interest at the moment is actually in the truth that's coming from each person I'm interacting with um, and being authentic in the face of that. So, uh, I mean, again, it's interesting with sound bites and uh, um, advice and everything that, because, you know, there's a pretense of a conversation here. There's a title for it and we're doing a podcast. There's three microphones, but I don't know what we're actually talking about. I don't know if any of we us do. We're here. connecting. We're sitting Are here. Are we in Santa Monica right now? <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're having sort of an experience together. Um, and I think that experience is open to anybody that wants to connect in their own way with their community, with their collaborators, you know, drop in and drop in and make stuff and love and connect. And it's like, and be ambitious and take no prisoners and, you know, all of it, they're all mm. cliches, but it's like, it's in this, it's in the actually showing up mm. and being present and getting it done. You asked me, do you want to come on the podcast? I said, oh, this is really busy. Hey, this date works. Mm -hmm. And you said, okay, this time works. And then I drove to the wrong side of town, but I didn't <laughs> flake out. Like some people might've gone, totally. can't do it. I said, okay, getting back on the freeway. Oh, My electric car hopefully you. has enough battery. It's fine. But the point is like, this is how you get things done. Right. Yeah. So it's like, we can't philosophize for too long. We got to take yeah. massive action. Yeah. And then in retrospect, we can do some course correction. Like I like the kinds of mistakes that they're actually done and I've learned the lesson from in real time. And then I go, huh, oh, wouldn't do that again. <laughs> but like, I don't, I don't want to like try and chart the course too mm -hmm. perfectly before I start. Beautiful. That was the best answer I could have hoped for. Amazing. Well, I think we've covered a lot. I'm, I'm so happy inspired. to have gotten to come here. Oh, we're Thank so you. happy Do to have you, know, you, Ben. You're the first gentleman that we've had on our program. It's true. Ever. So I'm the first mother lover? Yeah, you're <laughs> the, yes. And so we do appreciate you bringing your male wisdom to our conversation. Yeah, you just set the standard. So cool. It's going to be a tough one. I may bring Carrie on at some yeah, point. Yeah, your stage Simone husband. Lee. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the inner workings of the um, comic. Oh, and just mind. maybe uh, just people can... You know, they can find me. Uh, my, yes, give me a website. So my website's ben-lee.com and I've got a mailing list on there people can sign up for with all these various projects. What's I'm going to sign up. Like, yes, I, sign up. I already did. Did you get my subscription? Why well, don't I didn't look at it? It all just goes automated. Oh, you know, okay. Well, yesterday you Okay, well, I'm going to send a new one out on Monday. Yeah, so, uh, so you'll I will be front row in the orchestra when, you're, when right. your musical is on yeah, the stage. So, okay. so, yeah, oh my gosh, cannot wait for that musical. When musicals. are we expecting that musical uh, to be out? So the, uh, the, what I'm going to do with it, I decided is, uh, you know, so there's, there's sort of two ways in with a musical up onto a stage. One of them is, pitching it and looking for investors and workshopping it. And, and another way is music first. Um, so things like Evita, Chess, Jesus Christ Superstar, they began as albums, mm -hmm. American Idiot, obviously. Um, so that's the path we're taking with this. I'm going to do a Kickstarter 
for the album probably in June. Ooh. And um, and that's going to be both obviously to generate income for it, but also just to spread the word and get it out there that this thing exists. Because if they love the music, they're going to want to see the show. That's the goal, you know, but at the end of the day, it's like, it's very, that's, it involves so many people, these types of things that it's so out of the control of the individual. I'm just trying to make it really great and we'll see what happens next. (gasps) So exciting. Is Ioni going to be in it? No, she's not going to be in it. She hasn't really done a ton of singing. She's been a total cheerleader the whole time. I bet. Oh, send him my love. Will do. Love you guys. You too. Well, thank you so much, Ben, for coming on. Do we have a little invitation for our listeners? Yes. Think of where you have resistance in your life and apply some of these ideas to push through that resistance and create authentically. Yeah, and and let us know how that goes. Send us a little message and tell us about your breakthroughs. I want to know all about it. Beautiful. And Ben does too. And that covers it for today. Thank you for joining us and supporting the movement inward, back to your hearts and into a life of infinite possibilities. If you liked what you heard today, please share this episode. Give us a five-star review and keep being amazing. Love ya. TTFN. Visit our website, themotherlovingfuture.com for more information. And please leave us a five-star review on iTunes if you like what you hear. We read every single review and comment, and we are so grateful for your support. See you next week.